Welcome to another episode of EG Like Sunday Morning. And this week, I'm delighted to welcome news editor Pui Guan Man and senior analyst Graham Schoen, don't call him Graham Stone, onto the show to discuss the week. Uh, how have things been for you both this last week? It's been busy. Very busy. Um, definitely getting a sense of, you know, spirits being lifted, though, as, as more stuff reopens and more to look forward to. So, um, yeah, all in all, it's been it's been pretty good. Yeah, cheers, Jess. Yeah, roughly along the same lines, really, uh, mm-hmm. as what Pree said. Uh, it's super busy, but uh, you know, it's, uh, there's enough enthusiasm, I think, to push us through into the summer months, um, which, again, hopefully we'll see uh, see a lot more activity going on. Cool. We'll see if that uh, is borne out in the, in the data a little bit later, Graham. But first, Pui, it was only a few weeks ago that we were on here discussing a pair of major rulings in favour of landlords uh, on their claims for rent arrears. Um, well, the courts giveth and the courts taketh away. Uh, and this week, landlords are very much licking their wounds after a pair of decisions uh, in respect of tenant insolvencies in the retail and leisure sector. Uh, both the new look CVA that sees store landlords having to accept turnover rent and a restructuring plan for Virgin Active that similarly sees landlords bearing the brunt uh, ahead of other creditors were each upheld by the High Court. And uh, there's been some pretty strong language in the reactions, hasn't there? Yes. Yeah. So, I mean, as as you said, yeah, we chatted about this a couple of weeks ago. And I remember at the time I'd said, you know, um, it, it felt like a little bit of a kind of let's watch this space kind of a moment, given all the other judgments that we uh, thought might be coming out of, of the woodworks in these few weeks. And yeah, safe to say since then, um, you know, the scales have sort of tipped back uh, the other way this week, um, mm. you know, especially when it comes to, to CBAs. Um, so, um, yeah, some of the words that have been thrown around so far have been world of hurt, dangerous precedent, um, outrageous. Um, actually, those were some of the, the sort of tamer words I've been <laughs> hearing in relation to this. Um, and yeah, it, it's all it's all a little bit, um, it's quite a lot to take in, really. But um, I think the one in particular that that got sort of alarm bells ringing among the, the industry was uh, the Virgin Active one, um, which was, uh, you know, um, it, it, it as a, it sort of deploys a. a a tool that forces landlords to kind of accept a restructuring, even if it's opposed by fewer than uh, 75% of creditors. Um, um, and yeah, what I'm hearing from the market is that it is particularly, you know, intimidating because it's a mechanism that takes away even more of a, a say on on processes that affect them. And the fear is that this could set a precedent for retailers who might. Uh, sort of turn to this mechanism as a sort of default um, uh, tool if their restructuring plans hit a snag. And and we've already seen car park operator um, NCP uh, gain some inspiration on this front and embarking on a similar strategy. And so, you know, who else could follow? Um, Landlords are already estimated to be owed, what, more than five billion in rent arrears. So the likelihood of clawing back as much of this as possible seems quite a lot slimmer now um yeah and I, and I think it's it's also important to be clear um just you know from from what i'm hearing it's not that the industry is is frowning down upon uh, cvas where smaller retail leisure occupiers would really need um, processes like these it's sort of the the well-heeled big private equity backed sort of um, multiples that have taken you know, every opportunity to expand 
heavily in the good times and, you know, therefore driving up rents, um, but also taking every opportunity to back out of locations once they're underperforming, you know, when the times are bad and they can't sustain them anymore. Um, those are the ones that people are fearing are might, you know, exploit this kind of mechanism. Um, um, yeah, you do, you do get that that sense that it, there is a bit of opportunism uh, at work, and and I've um, extensively discussed uh, the first case this week, New Look, with Julie Gatenio, a partner at CMS, uh, for a podcast that um, went up this week, uh, the first in a, a trilogy of on the case uh, episodes, which are going to be looking at these issues. So um, people who want to know a little bit more about the detail of the court's decision should should definitely take a listen to that. And uh, I'll be speaking to her again about Virgin Active um, uh, next week. So that will be up online next Wednesday or Thursday or whenever it happens to be. Uh, but one of the interesting points she um, made was that actually as we sort of get to the end of this, uh, um, the moratorium and, and we we know, you know, the mind-boggling um, rent arrears figures that have been calculated over the last 14 months. Um, it, it actually, weirdly enough, it, it gives landlords a little bit of extra power because they are unusually um, sizable by value um, as creditors. So when these plans get get put through, they, they it bumps them up the the priority list a little bit because of the scale of the arrears. That 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 could be an effect. And um, Julie did uh, point out that in uh, New Look. The judge um, did actually say that he saw considerable force in the argument that that this this kind of CVA that in the New Look case that that sees a permanent or a, a long term reduction in rent imposed on certain landlords um, without if if it was given without an option to terminate would be inherently unfairly prejudicial. So that's something that could be built on in in future cases. I mean, I. I one thing that landlords must scratch their heads over is a little bit is the the weight that's given to that idea of being given this this wonderful right to terminate uh, on top of uh, the the standard forfeiture rights because um obviously pre in the current climate that's not a great uh sticking plaster no no in, indeed well i mean that's that's a um definitely something to to watch for and and just i guess one one other note i would add to that um though and and to both of these um rulings the new look and the virgin active ones is that um you know i spoke to um adam coffer who uh, chairs the property owners uh, forum and also formerly of this parish um mm -hmm. well he pointed out that this ruling kind that were both rulings sort of perpetuated the image of landlords as sort of cigar chomping pinstripe suit wearing Barons, um, you know, when we know that isn't the case, you know, everyone, everyone's exposed to property ownership in some way or form, whether it's through local authorities, charities, pension funds and, and ISAs. Um, and many have pointed out that ultimately it's, you know, it's probably the smaller landlords that are going to be the ones that are going to suffer the heaviest burden, um, you know, from from sort of being unsuccessful in um, on these rulings. And now, you know the industry is calling on on the government for um for a rethink um mm. really of these processes and the bpf is among those ba banging the drum so uh chief executive melanie leach said that these sorts of cva um abuses are um shortchanging our public finances and pensions and, and damaging the investment that's underpinning town center recovery and the the leveling up agenda to build back better so um so something's got to give um but 
I, I'm sure we'll be returning to this topic soon, you know, with the outcome of, of the Regis CVA challenge <laughs> yes. to watch for and NCP's proposals. So, um, yes. yeah, yes. we'll be watching these developments very closely. So um, watch this space. Both okay. the news and legal teams will be breaking it all down for you. I was going to ask, look, how, I mean, we call on the government to help, but how likely, or to do something, or to call on the government to do something about this but do you think there's any political will whatsoever to actually get involved in and and change anything or tweak anything in favor of the landlord do you ask i don't think that's going to be particularly politically expedient and i think they're probably gambling on the fact that there's a lot of like current noise about it. it it gets kind of blown up quite a bit and then eventually commercial landlords will just kind of fade into the background and 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 stop kind of you know clamoring for any kind of change I think that's that's where that cigar chomping image comes into play, really, because it, you know, it, it, it's not going to be a vote winner, is it, to for the for any political party to take action to to come to the aid of of commercial landlords? No, I, I, I suppose not, because there is that you know most people's um, I guess like emotional uh, reaction to to landlord or or dealing with a landlord is is paying them you know a chunk of their salary to 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 rent a place um, or to rent you know a housing and what have you. If um, you know, you can imagine the headlines about you know, people or, or Virgin Active restaurants, shops being forced to pay uh, landlords, or you know, judges being told to come down the side of landlords. You can imagine how that would play. Um, but it's interesting as well. Um, this week, there's like a, a quite a big story about loads of new retail and, and food beverage kind of um, entrance to the market. So they're like hungry for space as restrictions ease. So on the on the one side, we've got heavy re, like kind of restructures off the back of that which has happened. But now that the economy is opening up a little bit, there's obviously going to be quite a lot of deals signed or, or a fair amount of deals signed, even in um, a space in retail that has had significant um, hardships over the last few years. But uh, you know, are we saying like most of those deals for, for those kind of new requirements, those new occupiers are going to have to have specific clauses in to guard against anything like this happening in future any poor kind of business management that leads to a cva you're going to have to you know, still pay us the rent or, or anything like that do you think that's that's likely to happen as well yeah well i mean it's interesting what you say about the, the new entrants coming in because obviously none of that um appetite really translates to leasing activity or you know the, the sort of the deals that are being agreed there i mean it's um, I spoke to, to uh, David Baxendale, um, who is in the restructuring team at PwC, and, and he said it's very much a tenants market now. Mm. Um, so, yeah, no, absolutely. It's really interesting to see how those two are going to play off of, of each other. Let's not forget that, you know, this isn't the first time that, um, you know, the likes of Wendy's have been in the UK. They they no. They were here before and then, you know, and now they're coming back. So, yeah, it's an interesting one. <laughs> And obviously, the you know the success of those operators is going to uh, depend largely on uh, the return to offices. Uh, so, Graham, what's the the latest situation when it comes to the, the city office market? Yeah, so uh, the the return of office workers is, has been an interesting one. There was so when I was writing this, this is kind of over the last couple of weeks or so. The latest data uh, that was from Metricus um, indicated that office occupancy was about 45% mm -hmm. of the pre-pandemic norm. That was in about mid-April. I think they've released new data today to say it's about 50% mm -hmm. of the pre-pandemic norm. So just over half for the, really the first time, I think, since uh, since we all 
uh, went home last in March 2020, I suppose. So there's some decent signs uh, on that front. In terms of leasing activity in the first quarter, it was just heavily hampered um, on the headline stats anyway by the fact we were in a general lockdown. It, it's tough to get deals in trains, tough to get them signed when there's such uh, an imposition on movement combined with, of course, uh, companies kind of still, I think, taking stock and trying to figure out exactly what it is that they want to do going forward. Some have obviously um, pushed the button on their requirements. Latham and Watkins was a, a really big um, part of, of the take up this quarter. It's uh, yeah, around 200, just under 250,000 uh, square feet. And that's around 20% of overall take up. So it, the the actual figure uh, has been heavily boosted by by that number. Um, it's just under 1.3 million um, square feet of office take up, which is actually the best over the last four quarters. Mm-hmm. So I was in my mind, I was kind of badging, like trying to figure out what exactly to how to spin that, whether I'd do it as a <laughs> rejoice is the best <laughs> lockdown take up that we've had, or uh, whether to kind of do it as as more of a you know stabilizers on type of thing i think that's that's the mm-hmm. one we've we've gone with because although the figures are quite low by by historic um standards there's some decent indicators that there's maybe some kind of form of of stability uh coming to the market or at least uh, a bit more clarity uh, on what to do going forward um but even within that context there's, there's tons of stuff going on i mean you, we saw the um the city corporations plans um and obviously the headline of that was the the fact they're going to convert a lot of redundant office space uh into homes mm. that's again to set them up to be a bit more resilient uh moving forward it you know stop the historic reliance on incoming commuters i, I say historic you know over the last you know <laughs> several uh, decades as it's uh, <laughs> as it's kind of naturally evolved in, on that front um but they're also key they would uh, i think keen to point out that within that plan there was also uh provision for for quite a lot of new office space as well they want a lot of new build stuff to come in while they're repurposing the old stuff i think that's what's going to pretty much happen across the board in london for the foreseeable you're going to have to really really quickly or accelerate any plans to basically change any kind of redundant space any anything that's kind of tending towards obsolescence but also make sure you've got all the new build stock which is still pretty much um at the sharp end of occupied demand and that can still kind of withstand the really really heavy winds of change that are, that are going to come in at the moment so yeah the food and beverage i mean i can't speak exactly to the food and beverage sector across across city centers it will obviously um it will obviously rely somewhat on the ingress of, of commuters but i think that yeah all this all this stuff is is generally interconnected i think a lot of businesses are probably still trying to figure out the demand from their own employees as to mm. how often they want to come into the office and then to square that with the amount of space that they need some are obviously pushing the button on it they're going okay we'll we'll, we'll do this and we'll maybe figure out different stuff down the line um so there's still i think enough weight of demand to to give us some some reasonably good uh, figures towards probably the end of the the year i think it'll be quiet next quarter as well this quarter there's some deals obviously going through as usual um but i don't think but when there's when there's a shallow quarter sometimes there's panic i think at the moment it's still very much a, a wait and see kind of environment um albeit with some decent indicators under the bonnet it, it seems that more and more sort of uh, some major players are being vocal about 
getting people back to the office, putting a bit of pressure on, doesn't it? It it looks that way. I mean, there's uh, there are still some I think major uh, companies did sort of actually outlining or affirming their plans to to kind of right size their office footprint. A lot of uh, financial institutions making the you know kind of almost enshrining the fact that some form of remote working is gonna is gonna mm. persist um, as we as we go forward. Um, I think HSBC said globally they're gonna cut it by. F- 40% I think it was uh, but then again that's a that's a global move within mm. individual markets uh, it might be a little bit might be a little bit different uh, yeah Lloyd's I think are going to chop down by about around about a fifth um, but then you, you do have the I think the Prime Minister even this week is saying something like he's doing his usual thing of saying get back to work um, <laughs> as if like remote work isn't isn't yeah. actual work I mean people might have specific feelings uh, about that but once again like it's it, it i've said this before like it, he the, the government really doesn't have any particular influence in this specific sphere unlike mm. with the 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 cvas uh, and uh, you know how to you know the guidelines they could they could provide uh, in order to to help landlords out i think in some ways here they are trying to help landlords out on the office side by by saying get back to work or kind of pushing that uh, that kind of narrative but again, like, like, how are they going to influence individual companies mm. deciding how best to to utilize space? How they're going to kind of adhere to or listen to employee demands for for some kind of uh, distributed uh, form of working? It doesn't mean working from home, of course. It might mean working somewhere else, uh, closer to where you live, a couple of times a week, whatever. Um, so there 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 are um, there are some voices kind of you know persistently mentioning this get back to the work get back to the office uh, type of narrative but again it, it's going to take a little while before we realize the specific like granular impact of covid on office markets uh, and particularly big ones like london uh, but again as i say this quarter reasonably sedate as we mm. might expect but you know when you see things like there's a i mean grade a rents toward for the entirety of last year were were falling um or just being like slightly corrected uh, and that has stopped um, this quarter. They've just kind of they, there's just no change whatsoever. So that again is a, a nice, a, a decent enough indicator. We have just got to wait and see whether they're just kind of settling at a low point before a rise, or whether this is just a again a sort of airplane style holding pattern before <laughs> figure before we we find out in the rest of the year what companies are choosing to do going forward, um, uh, based either on their own feelings or on the demands of their uh, their employees but again like it, it, the magazine obviously will be out this weekend so we'll see the the analysis of the data and you also see there's, there's quite a number of significant new build projects um, that have gone forward uh, this year so far gone in for planning mm-hmm. um, and that again I think like it's is quite a nice indicator alongside what the city corporation have said and I mentioned in the, in the piece as well it, it, we're just going to see like a, a quite a transient market, lots of stuff being converted, lots of new build going in. And the fact that that um, has happened at the start of this year as well, I think is is quite a nice indicator of what people think will happen moving forward. Because you think about development pipelines and how long things take you know, to come to fruition, it's probably a bit of a, a forecasting that by the time these these projects end up coming online, coming onto the market, companies will have figured out their their strategy and they're going to want to take that space and they're going to, they can then differentiate themselves from maybe other products in the office sphere that aren't quite as uh, um, as well set up. 
uh, for 21st century working. So it's interesting. I encourage mm-hmm. people to read it. And, yeah, yeah. So people yeah. can dig in uh, in greater detail to to your analysis, both online and and in print. And um, uh, I believe you'll go into all this a little bit further in your next episode of No Filter. Uh, I will do. Yeah. So that'll be that'll be dropping yeah next week, next Thursday. Uh, there'd be a little bit more of a, a deeper dive into the uh, into some of the numbers there. Good stuff. And uh, yeah, Pui, what else has been going on with the news team this week? Well, uh, well, Graham's uh, helpfully already given a bit of a shout out to uh, one of the pieces uh, that we have in the magazine this week, um, where we took a look at some of the new entrants aiming to make waves in the UK market. So um, US fast food operators like Wendy's and Popeye's, they want to open hundreds of sites across the UK. And on a smaller but no less important scale, uh, we're seeing a really sort of diverse array of um, retail and leisure concepts uh, taking up prime spots in central London you know like this can uh, I ask can I ask Pree just for you to leave out perhaps one of the quirkiest ones because it, there is a possibility it might come up in the quiz okay I was uh, you jumped in a really great time because I was about to launch into the amazingness <laughs> of of one of the ones I will uh, give you the opportunity I'll give you the opportunity about. to talk about that <laughs> uh, after we've had the question no, but that's great. Well, well. either way, we wanted to know how much of this sort of appetite from uh, that we're seeing from these new entrants, whether it's, you know, is it just a load of hot air or, you know, how much could actually mean, um, uh, uh, you know, a significant resurgence in uh, retail take up. Um, so, um, yeah, uh, do be sure to, to check out um, the, our latest issue. And um, either way, I, I guess there could be quite a lot of fried chicken in our future, which is <laughs> never a bad thing, I suppose. Absolutely not. Um, Apologies to any vegans listening. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and in other news as well, um, in, in sort of a chunky M&A world, um, Blackstone has made a £1.2 billion pound bid to acquire St Modwin. Um, which is really interesting uh, takeover proposal because St Modwin has, you know, a, a relatively diverse uh, range of asset classes. So there's logistics, strategic land, and and house building. Um, and Blackstone loves logistics, so it's most likely the 19 million square foot uh, industrial pipeline that's caught its eye. And uh, some with an eye on the talk say it's most likely going to combine it with its um, very expansive Marway venture. Um, and spectators have said that they kind of struggle to see how the house building aspects fit into Blackstone strategy. So the odds are they're going to split off the house building um, aspects and consolidate all the logistics stuff. Um, mm-hmm. So that is definitely one we'll be watching closely too. Okay, so uh, a busy week, like you said earlier on, and uh, it's only fair to sum up its events with with the quiz of the week. Uh, now, Pui's obviously uh, an old hand at this. She's she's um, you know a, a serial four out of five leaderboard topper. Uh, but Graham, you haven't had the opportunity to to do the the quiz yet, and I know you've been champing at the bit uh, to take part. <laughs> So yeah. uh, we'll let we'll let Graham uh, take this on this week. But Pui, if if he if he's struggling with any questions, uh, I'll, I'll I'll throw over to you, and you can show us how it's done. Uh, Wonderful. So, <laughs> do I do well, I still get the point if Pui gets it right? <laughs> uh, if only if she does a pitch perfect impression of you while she says the answer. That'll be easy. I'll give it a shot. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So question one. Uh, 
as part of a roundup of F&B recovery in the city that we may have mentioned about three minutes ago, <laughs> which board game is inspiring a life-size concept uh, in a former paper chase store on Tottenham Court Road? Uh, which I did actually, board yeah, game? I did actually um, read this not too long ago. Uh, it, I, I, I've actually forgotten, but I'm going to guess that it was Monopoly. It is Monopoly. So, Pui, tell us more. <laughs> well, no, I mean, you've kind of you kind of summed it up there. I was just going to say that could probably be on our next team outing, this uh, life-size Absolutely. Monopoly board game concept moving into the old paper chase uh, on Tottenham Court Road. It's very exciting. Yep. <laughs> uh, would love it. I'll be the racing car. <laughs> I'll sh- okay. uh, shotgun on the dog. I think the dog is cool. <laughs> old boot for you, Graham? Yeah, I, I strike you as probably quite a yeah a, a classic old boot man. That or the top hat. So I sort of like yeah, both range uh, either range of the uh, clothing. Okay, and just to prove that that uh, Pui and I have been very much thinking along similar lines this week uh, when it comes to preparing for the EGLSM podcast. Which US investment giant has made a 1.2 billion pound offer to acquire developer St Modwin? God, I, I don't know. I was on mute. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that'll be Blackstone. That will be Blackstone. Very good. Two out of two. Pui is looking nervous. Uh, it, it could be a, a clean sweep for Graham. Okay, so slightly different. You and I, not you and me, uh, you no. and I has hired a chief financial officer named Jamie. But what is his rather festive surname? Oh, I read this as well. Oh, this is infuriating. I'm not going to get this right. Is it Noel? It is not Jamie Noel. Uh, Pui, any ideas? So I, I think it's Jamie Christmas. It is indeed Jamie Christmas. How did I forget uh, that? <laughs> and uh, yeah, so Merry Christmas uh, to you and I. Uh, question four is the missing words question. Now, this week's oh. EG interview features Arit with a new focus on drive through coffee shops. So can you fill in the blank in the headline? Okay. Blank plans. Blank plans. Oh, goodness sake. Oh, okay. Hold on. They drive, drive through coffee. That I, again, I, like, I literally just read through the entire magazine. Just so I think like a headline writer. There should What's be no. I, I don't do headline. This is what like the sub editors do all my good work for me. <laughs> um. So hang on, uh, 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 hold on, I know. So it's not going to be grand plans, is it? But in coffee, you can grind coffee beans or you can have a grande. Is it going to be grande plans? Oh, wow, he has dug that one out with the mind, the incisive mind of a sub-editor. You're, you're wasted in, in research and analysis, Grande. Uh, well done, three out of four. Cheers. Finally, the diary question. And it's one about the office market, so it's right up your alley. Bloomberg impressed Diary this week with its innovative way of charting office activity and the number of workers heading back to their desks. But which household name's data is it using in its index? Right, it's about it's about the office market and it's about data. So I, I really should know this. Uh, maybe I would if I... If, I, if I'd come across this story. And I, I, have, a, I have a... Dearly departed colleague James Child to thank for sending this to my inbox. Oh, wonderful. Well, he'll be gutted that I've got this wrong then. (laughs) Um, Is it uh, Google's data? 
It is not Pui. Do you know what index they're it using? Could, could only be my favourite lunchtime haunt uh, back in our Bishopsgate office, uh, Pret. <laughs> it is Pret, the Pret index. Wow. So you, you'll have to check Genius. that out. Can so, you just edit? Can you just edit that so I got it right? <laughs> <laughs> but still, a very, very creditable performance. Three out of five, particularly working out uh, grand day plans from some first principles. That's you yeah. Know, don't, we don't. You, you don't often get to see people's working or hear people's working on on the quiz of the week. But there, we we genuinely saw it, it take shape. It is a shame that the podcast isn't available in video form because so people could see my agony. <laughs> uh, trying to actually work that one out that was painful do I actually technically only get two out of four because uh, Pui did give me the Blackstone <laughs> well you know listening to Pui two minutes ago is the same as con- as, as reading her article on on, on the website so, oh, that's know. true I'll, t- I'll take all, I'll take the three all out of knowledge. Five, I'm just glad someone was listening <laughs> <laughs> okay so that just leaves me time to very quickly run through uh, what uh, you can all look forward to this week on the EG podcast channel. Uh, on Monday, uh, my colleague Sarah Jackman will be back with the latest episode in the Bricks and Mortar series. Uh, on Wednesday, uh, our fearless leader Sam McClary will be looking at the future of Belfast. Uh, and either on Wednesday or Thursday, we'll have the second part in my three-part on the case series, uh, this time looking at Virgin Active. Then Thursday, we think, um, Graham will be back. Uh, with no filter Uh, and then Friday it's Sam again uh, asking the question what are global occupiers thinking Uh, and then of course next Sunday we'll be back here to do it all over again with another episode of EG like Sunday morning.